Several years ago, I worked as a chaplain in a hospital in central London. From many of the patient rooms, you could see Parliament and Big Ben, from others, the London Eye. The hospital was chaotic, with the hallways teeming with people who were stressed or expectant or grieving. It was a place of deepest despair and greatest joy. One day captured this particularly well. As I walked into a lobby just downstairs from the chapel on my way to a ward, someone was playing a grand piano while a large family was in the middle of a screaming match with tears and recriminations and worries about a family member who was somewhere in the hospital, ill or injured. As they fought and cried and security staff edged into the room, I noticed that the pianist was playing a hymn. The family argument had been so loud that I hadn't noticed it at first. It was, it is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Some of you may be familiar with the story behind the writing of this song and its insistent hopefulness in the face of complete devastation. Horatio Spafford, a Presbyterian elder and lawyer in Chicago, lost his four young daughters in 1873 when the ship they were traveling on to Europe was struck by another vessel. Only his wife, Anna, survived. Horatio had had to stay in Chicago to attend to business and planned to follow them on a later ship. Anna sent Horatio a heartbreaking telegram saying, saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately left to join his wife in Europe and wrote the words to it is well with my soul as his ship passed over the place where his daughters had drowned. In the middle of a space of deep pain and conflict, where many people might be having the worst day of their life, this song cut through with a ring of hope. If you're familiar with the hymn, you know that the refrain begins very softly. It has a tentative feeling which grows in assurance. God, can it be that all will be well, even now? in this time of sorrow and conflict and fear? Our scripture passages today have this com combination of predictions of dire conflict with a thread of hope. Our collect today encourages us to learn from scripture, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the word of God. So I want to talk about passages of scripture that can be hard to understand. I personally never know quite what to make of apocalyptic readings from the Bible, ones that predict, as our passage from Daniel does today, a time of anguish such as never occurred since nations first came into existence. These passages, and similar ones in Isaiah and Joel, and especially Revelation, predict a cataclysm of war and suffering before the coming of the Lord. Many of the passages are deeply strange, 
with visions of light green horses and many horned beasts. Our readings for the next few weeks are apocalyptic. The first week of Advent will get apocalyptic visions of the second coming, with signs in the sun and moon and stars, and distress among the nations. So I thought it would be a good time to think a bit about how to deal with scripture that, at least in my case, I squint at and then skip to something that I can better wrap my head around. Strange as it may sound, apocalyptic literature was a way of comforting suffering people by placing their suffering in a broad, cosmic context. It takes human suffering and attaches a significance to it as a foreshadowing of God's saving intervention in the world. It gives what seems like interminable pain and endpoint, however far in the future that end might be. Are you suffering now? The end is near. Does it seem that God is silent in the face of your suffering? Just wait, and God will intervene in a pitched battle with the evil forces of the world. Among the descriptions of earthquake and destruction and pain and sadness, there is always a note of hope and deliverance. Our passage from Daniel, which describes a time of anguish, was written during a time of persecution of the Judean people by a foreign king, Antiochus, who had desecrated the temple, the holiest place of the Jewish people. Our passage from the Gospel of Mark is tinted by apocalypticism as well. It was the first gospel to be written and was composed at a time when first century Christians faced persecution for their devotion to Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. The temple had already been destroyed. The writer of Mark was addressing present concerns about wars and rumors of war among those who would read the text. At the time of the conversation with the disciples that we hear today, Jesus had already arrived in Jerusalem and was looking towards the crucifixion. He is preparing the disciples for a future that is unimaginable to them, a time when he will no longer be with them in human form, a time when they will face the persecution that is now concentrated on Jesus. The disciples asked Jesus, how long? When will these things happen? He tells them to not be afraid, that the hope of his teaching will remain even through a time of pain and struggle. So with all this said, what do we do with grim predictions of cataclysm and suffering and famine, with pandemic and languishing and hateful political divisions? We listen for that sometimes faint but insistent voice of hope among the wreckage, that promise that death does not have the final word. We listen for the quiet hope, and through our actions of love, we build the sound of hope to a crescendo that drowns out all anguish and isolation. And Lord, haste the day when the, thy faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Amen.